Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The Law School of America. Witness impeachment in the law of evidence of the United States is the process of calling into question the credibility of an individual testifying in a trial. The federal rules of evidence contain the rules governing impeachment in U.S. federal courts. Parties that may impeach. Under the common law of England, a party could not impeach its own witness unless one of four special circumstances was met. The voucher rule required the proponent of the witness to vouch for the truthfulness of the witness. Here are the special circumstances. 1. If the witness were an adverse party, such as the plaintiff calling the defendant to the stand, or vice versa. 2. If the witness were hostile, such as the witness refusing to cooperate. 3. If the witness were one that the party was required by law to call as a witness. 4. If the witness surprised the party who called him by giving damaging testimony against that party. The rule has been eliminated in many jurisdictions. Under the U.S. Federal Rules of Evidence, Rule 607 permits any party to attack the credibility of any witness. Methods. In the U.S., a party has the option of discrediting a witness through impeachment by cross-examining the witness about facts that reflect poorly on the witness's credibility or, in some cases, by introducing extrinsic evidence that reflects negatively on the witness's truthfulness or knowledge. In Pennsylvania, the procedure for determining whether a testifying defendant may be impeached is known as a Bigham hearing. Categories. A party may impeach a witness in the U.S. by introducing evidence of any of the following, remembered via the mnemonic bike bias. Courts permit parties to cross-examine a witness in order to impeach that witness based on demonstration of bias. Witness bias may be catalyzed by any number of circumstances, ranging from the witness's blood relationship to a party to his financial stake in the outcome of the litigation. Most U.S. jurisdictions require a cross-examiner to lay a foundation before extrinsic evidence can be used to demonstrate bias for impeachment purposes. Although Rule 610 provides that evidence of a witness's religious beliefs or opinions is not admissible to attack or support the witness's credibility, an inquiry into the witness's religious beliefs or opinions for the purpose of showing interest or bias because of them is not within the rule's prohibition. If a witness is accused of bias, and there is an opportunity to cross-examine during the current trial, any statements made at a previous trial-slash-hearing and which are consistent with the testimony at the present trial are admissible, not hearsay. Inconsistent statement. A party may impeach a witness by introducing those of his prior statements that are inconsistent with his current testimony at trial. In a minority of jurisdictions that follow FRE 801, the prior inconsistent statement may be used not only to impeach but also as substantive evidence. A prior inconsistent statement is admissible as substantive evidence if 1. This statement was given under penalty of perjury at a trial, hearing, or other proceeding or in a deposition. 2. The witness testifies at the present trial, and 3. The witness is subject to cross-examination about the prior statement. 801D, 1, 2014, Federal Rules of Evidence by Muller and Kirkpatrick. A prior inconsistent statement offered solely for impeachment purposes is admissible regardless of whether it satisfies those requirements. 
The cross-examining attorney need not disclose or show the contents of a prior inconsistent statement to a witness prior to the moment he is questioned. If the witness's attorney asks to see the prior inconsistent statement, however, the questioning attorney must show or disclose its contents. Character the majority of U.S. jurisdictions permit parties to impeach witnesses by demonstrating their bad character regarding truthfulness. Under the federal rules a party may demonstrate that by reputation or opinion testimony. That is, a witness's credibility cannot be bolstered, only impeached. Prior conviction. Additionally, a party may impeach a witness for bad character by introducing evidence of the witness's prior conviction of a crime, subject to a series of rules laid out in 609A. If the witness's prior conviction was for a crime involving dishonesty or false statement, evidence of that crime is admissible for impeachment purposes regardless of whether the crime was a misdemeanor or a felony. If the witness's prior conviction was for a crime not involving dishonesty or false statement, evidence of the conviction is admissible for impeachment only for felonies, misdemeanors are inadmissible. Furthermore, if the cross-examining party seeks to introduce evidence of a felony not involving dishonesty or false statement, its success in impeaching the witness will depend on whether the witness is the defendant or not. If the witness is the defendant, the burden is on the prosecution to show that the probative value of the impeachment, demonstrating the defendant witness's propensity to lie, outweighs the danger of unfair prejudice to the defendant. The probative value must merely outweigh unfair prejudice. If the witness is a person other than the defendant, the evidence of the prior felony conviction for a crime not involving dishonesty or false statement is admissible unless the party objecting to the evidence succeeds in the more difficult task of proving that the probative value of the felony conviction is substantially outweighed by the danger of unfair prejudice to the defendant. The probative value must substantially outweigh unfair prejudice. Finally, if a conviction is more than 10 years old, the probative value of admitting the conviction must substantially outweigh the danger of unfair prejudice under FRE 609B. No extrinsic evidence. A party may impeach a witness for character by cross-examining the witness but not by introducing extrinsic evidence about specific instances of prior misconduct, often called prior bad acts, as long as the questions relate to the witness's own character for truthfulness or untruthfulness, or to the character for untruthfulness of a previous witness that the current witness has testified about before. Under California Evidence Code Section 787, a party may not use either cross-examination or extrinsic evidence to impeach a witness by showing specific instances of prior misconduct in civil cases. Proposition 8, the Victim's Bill of Rights passed by in 1982 permits parties to use both cross-examination and extrinsic evidence about specific instances of prior misconduct in criminal cases to impeach a witness. Competency. The witness was unable to sense what he claimed to have, such as he could not see from where he was, or he lacked the requisite mental capacity. Older common law would exclude an incompetent witness from testifying. Modern rules, such as the federal rules of evidence, allow the witness on the stand, in most cases, to consider competence as one of many factors that juries are to consider to determine credibility of the witness. Contradiction. The witness is induced to contradict their own testimony during the present proceeding. That differs from inconsistent statements above. Inconsistent statements involve statements made out of court, hearsay, or in prior proceedings. Contradiction involves the witness saying two different things in the same testimony. Another form of impeachment by contradiction has a subtle effect on the order in which the attorneys present their evidence. When a defense attorney calls a witness, who testifies about what happened, or the plaintiff's attorney or a prosecutor calls a witness in rebuttal, 
that gives the opposing attorney the opportunity to present evidence contradicting that witness. Had impeachment by contradiction not been allowed by the rules of evidence, the second attorney would have been barred from presenting the contradicting evidence because the second attorney already had only one chance to prove the facts of the case as claimed. Since his opponent put on a witness, that opens the door to strengthen the case by going again with more proof of what happened, the only legal excuse for the rehash of the claim is impeaching by contradiction his opponent's witness. Another use of impeachment by contradiction can be explained negatively. An attorney cannot contradict an opponent's witness on a trivial, collateral, fact like the color of the hat worn on the day she witnessed the accident, but on more important matters normally excluded by the rules of relevance, contradiction may be allowed. Thus, a witness might not normally be permitted to testify being a safe driver and the opponent cannot normally prove that the driver is unsafe, but if the witness nonetheless happens to testify being a safe driver, no objection was made to the question, the opponent can now contradict by eliciting on cross-examination that the driver was involved in several accidents. Had contradiction impeachment not been permitted, the unsafe character of the witness would have been barred by the rules of evidence. Another example is more extreme. Suppose the defendant is on trial for possession of heroin. The defendant's testimony will naturally deny possessing the particular drug. Suppose the defendant foolishly testifies on direct examination, in fact, I've never possessed heroin in my life. The prosecutor can then, on cross-examination, impeach him with an exhibit of heroin seized on an unrelated occasion even if it was seized in violation of his Fourth Amendment rights. The Walder decision led to a ruling that a defendant can be impeached by his confession even if the confession was obtained in violation of his Miranda rights. Harris, in turn, led to a decision allowing similar impeachment by physical evidence that had been suppressed in the same case as having been seized from the defendant in violation of his Fourth Amendment rights. Impeachment by contradiction evidence is admitted solely to impeach it cannot be used to prove anything about the events being litigated but only to discredit the witness's credibility. The theory is that when a witness can be contradicted, it should be taken into account in determining the reliability of the witness so the jury is instructed by the judge not to use the impeachment evidence as proof of any facts but only to consider whether the witness in question should be believed. All experienced courtroom observers, however, agree that jurors will have great difficulty understanding that distinction, known as limited admissibility or admissibility for a limited purpose. Even more unlikely is the prospect that a juror who understands the instruction will be psychologically capable of obeying it. The only practical impact of this limited admissibility is that the evidence cannot be used to prop up a weak case that would otherwise be dismissed by the court for insufficient evidence, as it was admitted only for the impeachment of a witness. Bolstering and Rehabilitating The general rule is that the proponent of a witness may not attempt to build up the witness's credibility prior to being impeached. The rationale is that the witness is presumed trustworthy. It also speeds proceedings by not spending time bolstering when the other side may not even impeach the witness. To rehabilitate a witness, the proponent is confined to using the same techniques used by the opponent to impeach the witness. That is, if the opponent impeached by bias, rehabilitation is limited to negating the claim of bias. If the opponent brought in a rebuttal witness who testified to the character of the principal witness as that of a liar, Rehabilitation is limited to a character witness who testifies that the principal witness is a truthful person. That is a different consideration from the ever-present right to cross-examine any witness, including character witnesses which in Trump's case include the likes of John Bolton. If the opponent shows that the witness made a prior inconsistent statement and implies that after that statement and prior to trial the witness was gotten to or otherwise developed a motive to lie in court, 
rehabilitation can be attempted by showing that the witness made a prior consistent statement, consistent with the testimony, before the alleged events that gave rise to the alleged motive to lie. The jury is left with two pre-trial statements that are inconsistent with each other, but only one is inconsistent with the testimony, and both were made before the witness was allegedly gotten to. Thus, there might be softening of the accusation that the testimony flows from such as a bribe. Also, there is always a case for allowing a prior consistent statement made at any time before trial to help explain away what is arguably only a seemingly inconsistent statement that is subject to interpretation, such as if it were lifted out of the context that would explain the statement. Now a word from our sponsor. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The Law School of America. The direct examination or examination in chief is one stage in the process of adducing evidence from witnesses in a court of law. Direct examination is the questioning of a witness by the party who called him or her, in a trial. Direct examination is usually performed to elicit evidence in support of facts which will satisfy a required element of a party's claim or defense. In direct examination, one is generally prohibited from asking leading questions. This prevents a lawyer from feeding answers to a favorable witness. An exception to this rule occurs if one side has called a witness, but it is either understood or becomes clear that the witness is hostile to the questioner's side of the controversy. The lawyer may then ask the court to declare the person he or she has called to the stand a hostile witness. If the court does so, the lawyer may thereafter ask witness leading questions during direct examination. The techniques of direct examination are taught in courses on trial advocacy. Each direct examination is integrated with the overall case strategy through either a theme and theory or, with more advanced strategies, a line of effort. In law, cross-examination is the interrogation of a witness called by one's opponent. It is preceded by direct examination, in Ireland, the United Kingdom, Australia, Canada, South Africa, India, and Pakistan known as examination-in-chief, and may be followed by a redirect, re-examination in Ireland, England, Scotland, Australia, Canada, South Africa, India, Hong Kong, and Pakistan. Redirect examination, performed by the attorney or pro se individual who performed the direct examination, clarifies the witness testimony provided during cross-examination including any subject matter raised during cross-examination but not discussed during direct examination. Re-cross-examination addresses the witness testimony discussed in redirect by the opponent. Depending on the judge's discretion, opponents are allowed multiple opportunities to redirect and recross-examine witnesses, may vary by jurisdiction. Variations by jurisdiction. In the United States federal courts, a cross-examining attorney is typically not permitted to ask questions that do not pertain to the testimony offered during direct examination, but most state courts do permit a lawyer to cross-examine a witness on matters not raised during direct examination. Similarly, courts in England South Africa, Australia, and Canada allow a cross-examiner to exceed the scope of direct examination. Since a witness called by the opposing party is presumed to be hostile, cross-examination does permit leading questions. A witness called by a direct examiner, on the other hand, may only be treated as hostile by that examiner after being permitted to do so by the judge, 
at the request of that examiner and as a result of the witness being openly antagonistic and or prejudiced against the party that called them. Affecting the outcome of jury trials. Cross-examination is a key component of a trial and the topic is given substantial attention during courses on trial advocacy. The opinions of a jury or judge are often changed if cross-examination casts doubt on the witness. On the other hand, a credible witness may reinforce the substance of their original statements and enhance the judge's or jury's belief. Though the closing argument is often considered the deciding moment of a trial, effective cross-examination wins trials. Attorneys anticipate hostile witness responses during pre-trial planning, and often attempt to shape the witness's perception of the questions to draw out information helpful to the attorney's case. Typically, during an attorney's closing argument he will repeat any admissions made by witnesses that favor their case. Indeed, in the United States, cross-examination is seen as a core part of the entire adversarial system of justice, in that it is the principal means by which the believability of a witness and the truth of his testimony are tested. Another key component affecting a trial outcome is the jury selection, in which attorneys will attempt to include jurors from whom they feel they can get a favorable response or at the least unbiased fair decision. So, while there are many factors affecting the outcome of a trial, the cross-examination of a witness will often influence an open-minded unbiased jury searching for the certainty of facts upon which to base their decision. Redirect examination, in the United States, is the questioning of a witness who has already provided testimony under oath in response to direct examination as well as cross-examination by the opponent. On redirect, the attorney offering the witness will ask additional questions that attempt to rehabilitate the witness's credibility, or otherwise mitigate deficiencies identified and explored by the opponent on cross. For example, the opponent might elicit on cross-examination an admission that the witness did not directly perceive every single part of the events at issue. The proponent will attempt on redirect to establish that the witness perceived enough of those events that the finder of fact can draw reasonable inferences as to the gaps where the witness's perception was obstructed. Recross is sometimes allowed, but usually the opposing attorney must ask for permission from the judge before proceeding with that additional round of questioning. In Australia, Canada and South Africa the process is called re-examination. In the law of evidence, a privilege is a rule of evidence that allows the holder of the privilege to refuse to disclose information or provide evidence about a certain subject or to bar such evidence from being disclosed or used in a judicial or other proceeding. There are many such privileges recognized by the judicial system, some stemming from the common law and others from statute law. Each privilege has its own rules, which often vary between jurisdictions. Types one well-known privilege is the solicitor-client privilege, referred to as the attorney-client privilege in the United States and as the legal professional privilege in Australia. This protects confidential communications between a client and his or her legal advisor for the dominant purpose of legal advice. The rationale is that clients ought to be able to communicate freely with their lawyers, in order to facilitate the proper functioning of the legal system. Other common forms include privilege against compelled self-incrimination. In other proceedings, without prejudice privilege, protecting communications made in the course of negotiations to settle a legal dispute, public interest privilege, formerly crown privilege, protecting documents for which secrecy is necessary for the proper functioning of government, spousal, marital, privilege, medical professional privilege, and clergy penitent privilege. In the U.S., several states have enacted the Uniform Mediation Act, UMA which specifies a mediator's privilege with regard to state procedures. In the United Kingdom, 
The Rehabilitation of Offenders Act 1974 provides that evidence relating to spent convictions, those in respect of which the Act says the convicted person is rehabilitated, generally older and less serious ones, is inadmissible, and provides privilege against answering questions relating to such convictions, although some exceptions apply, in particular in criminal proceedings. Effect The effect of the privilege is usually a right on the part of a party or witness to a case, allowing them to refuse to produce evidence in the form of documents or testimony from the person entitled to the privilege. For example, a person can generally prevent their attorney from testifying about the legal relationship between attorney and client, even if the attorney were willing to do so. In this case the privilege belongs to the client and not the attorney. In a few instances, such as the marital privilege, the privilege is a right held by the potential witness. Thus, if a wife wishes to testify against her husband, she may do so even if he opposes this testimony, however, the wife has the privilege of refusing to testify even if the husband wishes her to do so. On the other hand, the person entitled to a privilege is at liberty to waive the privilege. The Law School of America The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation Incorporated under a Creative Commons Attribution, Share Alike License. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America